God's word. Romans 4, going to start at verse 23. But the words, it was counted to him, were not written for his sake alone, but for ours also. It will be counted to us who believe in him who raised from the dead, Jesus our Lord, who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Uh, it's a significant day, isn't it, uh, this morning? Significant day for us as a church. It's a significant day for the church in general. It's Easter Sunday. It's Resurrection Sunday. And we get to, to declare and enjoy the fact that the grave is empty. That Jesus uh, rose from the grave, defeating death and sin and all of our enemies. And that's what we're here to proclaim this morning. Uh, but for us as a church, it's obviously a significant Sunday too. On the back of that, um, this is our first gathering of 2021. We haven't been together since like halfway through December last year. And that was only for two and a half months, um, give or take. So we've, we've been through a lot. These are tough times for us. Uh, that, that, that is obvious. Um, and so I hope and pray that this message today um, and these, these words from Scripture will, will buttress your faith, will encourage your hearts as we really dial down back to the, the center of the Christian faith. Um, what, it, what it means to be a Christian, how you be a Christian, how do you receive the goodness of the empty grave to yourself? Um, and obviously, if, if, you're, if you're familiar with the Christian faith, I hope that this is a refresher and it just stirs you again. It just sort of clears away some of the debris you might find in life at the moment and just focuses you. It just sharpens the laser. Um, if you're an outsider listening in, or, or perhaps if you're, you don't know where you stand before Jesus, um, you need to know this. Um, what we're going to be talking about today, uh, the Christian faith, um, can be summarized in these few verses that we've just read together. Um, so what, what I'm going to do is try and break it down, break down the Christian faith to the very basics, the very um, inner elements, and hopefully then that will just, wherever you are before God, that will just bring you uh, closer to him. So we're going to look at, number one, the principle of faith. Number two, we're going to look at the, the power of faith. And number three, we're going to look at the purpose of faith. Principle, power, purpose. First of all, what is the principle of faith? If you understand this, then you understand much of what it means to be a Christian and to receive the benefits of Easter. The, the, the principle of faith, the central, the key uh, statement, if you like, is this. I'll give it to you now. God counts you righteous by faith. God counts you righteous by faith. If you can understand that and grasp that, then you have understood what it means to be a Christian. God counts you righteous by faith. You can see in these few verses that we've read here, in verses 23 and 24, first couple of sentences, the Apostle Paul, who wrote the letter to the Christians in Rome, wrote to address some confusion and misunderstanding, some lack of knowledge in the area of salvation. What does it mean to be saved? How is someone saved? In other words, how is someone made right with God? That's what he's writing about here. And in order to explain how somebody is made right with God, he goes away back to the beginning of the faith, 
back before the kings, back before Moses, back before Joseph and Jacob, back even further, back to the father of the faith, a man called Abraham. And in the beginning of chapter 4, he points to Abraham, the great father. And, And Paul says, look, this principle of faith started with Abraham. It has been the only way that we can relate to God. God counts you righteous by faith. It happened for Abraham. It happened for all of his children. It happened for all of Israel. And it happens for you, O believer in Jesus. God counts you righteous by faith. Um, If if you don't know the story of Abraham, Abraham was a a, a pagan. He was a non-believer, I suppose. And he was um, called by God. Uh, And God called him out of his land and said, Abraham, I'm going to take you I'm going to make you a father of many nations. I'm going to give you a place that's going to be your own uh, land. I'm I'm going to bless the entire world through you and your offspring. And so it, it tells us that Abraham, the great father of the faith, believed God, trusted God's promises. There was no evidence Uh, There was no uh, signs there and then, just a word from God. Believe me, trust me. And it says in the beginning of our chapter here, Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Abraham did nothing. Um, He just simply trusted God and God's message to him. Only after he trusted and went ahead in trust God gave him tasks and jobs and works to do to show his devotion. But he didn't win God's favor because of those works, that devotion. He won God's favor because he simply believed, he trusted in God's word. And as the years went by in the story of Abraham, this this promise was given and it didn't come, it didn't come, it didn't come. No children came, no, no children of the offspring. He was childless, he was 99 years of age. And eventually... He and his aged wife, approaching her 90s, gave birth to a child, and they called him Isaac. Trusted that God could bring life from death. And so then fast forward to today, fast forward through the cross and the empty grave, and Paul says to the believers in Jesus, it is also the same for you, the same principle stands God counts you righteous by faith. It applies to Abraham, it applies to his children, it applies to you too. God counts you righteous by faith. That's the principle of faith. What are are we to believe exactly? What are we to trust in? It's the same God who, who spoke to Abraham, it's the same God who speaks to us today. And yet we have more clarity, we have more detail in those promises that he gives us. And Paul himself shows us here in verse 24. It will be counted to us who believe in him, that is God, who raised from the dead Jesus our Lord. If you want to believe in God, if you want to be right before God, believe that he raised Jesus from the dead. That's what Paul says. That's, that's why Easter is so cool. That's why we love to celebrate it. That's why we are so um, stoked up by the fact that Jesus rose from the grave, that the, the grave was empty. Believe in that, says God, and you are right in my sight. But he goes a little further as well. He gives us even more detail in verse 25. Believe that God raised Jesus from the dead, but also in verse 25, Jesus was delivered over 
for our trespasses, that's another way of saying our sins, our faults, our failures, and he was raised to life, that is, for our justification. So what's he saying? He's saying Jesus, through his cross and through his resurrection, dealt with your sin. He, he, he provided your righteousness. And when you believe God's word to you, God's message to you, when you believe the gospel, that's what this is, God looks at you and he counts you righteous. And so for the rest of, of Romans, particularly chapter 5, chapter 6, chapter 7, chapter 8, Paul is, is, is working on this theme. He's bringing it to light. He's showing it from different angles. The, the amazing glory, the truth, the message of the gospel. God counts you righteous by faith. And you can think of this maybe in another way. He doesn't count you righteous or right in his sight. He doesn't count you right in his sight because of your good behavior. He doesn't count you righteous in his sight because of the way you think and the thoughts that you have and your intentions. He doesn't count you righteous in his sight because you happen to be born in a Christian family or a good family or a family of good standing. He doesn't count you righteous because you were born into a Western or Christian culture. He doesn't count you righteous because of a lack of sin in your life, as you would think of it, or, or any sin in your life for that matter. None of these things or anything else get you right before God. You are right before God by faith in Jesus. Anything else is a distraction. Anything else is a, a, a reduction. You're counted righteous by faith through faith in Jesus. So as we look at this stuff here, do you have that? Do you have that righteousness? Are you, are you right before God through believing in Jesus? That's the principle of faith. If you want to understand Christianity, there it is. God counts you righteous by faith. But then we move on and we see, that we see the power of faith. What, what does it actually produce within us? We'll look down there at um, chapter, it says five, chapter 5, verse 1. Because therefore, therefore, since we have been justified, that is made right before God, since we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We, we have been counted as righteous. That's what justified means. And therefore, through our faith, he says there, we have peace with God. That's the power right there. Your peace, I think, is quite an underrated word. Um, perhaps because we don't necessarily spend a lot of time dwelling on it or thinking, what does the Bible mean by peace? Um, you notice in those, in those words there, it's, it's, it's peace with God. It's not peace in God, or peace from God, or peace towards God. It's none of those things. It's peace with God. And that's important if we're going to understand what Paul means here by peace. And because for us, a lot of the time, peace means, um, depending on who's speaking, I suppose, but it means feeling relaxed. You know, feeling okay with yourself, feeling okay with the world around you. That's, that's peace. And sometimes even Christians will speak of at the moment they trust in Jesus and they accept these things are true for them. The moment they trust in Jesus, they feel peace. They feel like the weight has been lifted off their, their shoulders. And, and that's, that's a wonderful thing. And that can happen to you if you come and when you come to faith in Jesus. It doesn't always happen at that moment. But that's often what we think of peace. We think of it in that sort of subjective sense how we feel about it 
But that's not primarily what Paul is talking about here. Um, Because the peace that he's talking about here is first of all objective before it's subjective. It's true of you before you feel it to be true, in other words. Um, It's peace with God, whether whether you feel it or not. That is what you are given the moment you have faith in Jesus. You're justified in the sight of God. So what does that mean? Let's, let's, let's think about that a little, a little more and then we can start to understand what this has brought to us, right? The power of faith. Uh, Paul has been showing us, and we've been thinking already, how we are counted righteous in the sight of God by our faith in Jesus. Righteousness means, in other words, a right standing before God. God, God looks at us and uh, we, we are in his sight acceptable. We're more than acceptable, we're welcome. He he is pleased with us. That's what it means to be righteous in the eyes of God. Um, Therefore, on the basis of that, we have peace with him. All right? And this is a huge shift in how it was before we came to faith in Jesus. Uh, This is is, is saying the war is over. Through Jesus, peace has come, right? And when, when when you are right with God, peace has come to you. Uh, the Apostle Paul, in the, in the first three chapters of this letter that we're, we're just parachuting into just now, in the first three chapters, he shows with, with devastating clarity that all people, everybody, all of us here today, we're born into a war zone. Okay, we're born into conflict. And that, that conflict is not necessarily what happens on the streets with, with guns and weapons and armies and all that. We're born into a greater war here, a greater conflict. Whether you are from a religious background or a non-religious background, Paul labours to show powerfully that you are born into a war, that you are combatants in, in, a, in, a, in a, an attack, so to speak. And who, who is at war with who? Well, he shows that, that, that humankind, us all, people, flesh and blood, we're at war with God. We're at war with him. Because as, as Paul shows and as the Bible teaches from start to finish, we have, as a, as a group of people, we have rebelled against God. Um, we, we, we have we've rejected his, his loving reign. We have said no to his advances in love towards us. We have said, no, we don't want that. We, we, we want things on our own terms. And we're at war, therefore, with God. Paul writes, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. He says in another place, there is no one who is righteous, no, not one. Religious or non-religious, Jew, Christian, you know, culture, background, whatever, there is no one who is righteous. And the Bible teaches us that God is a God of justice, he's a God of righteousness, and he reacts to our rebellion with this settled and appropriate anger and wrath, the Bible calls it. It's often hard for us to think of a God who is a God of wrath and anger, who hates rebellion and hates sin. But God is also presented as a, a loving husband. He's almost pre- presented in the scriptures as a jilted lover, whose, whose spouse has walked away, who has gone off and been unfaithful, 
who has found, tried to find love and acceptance and, and, and pleasure in the arms of another lover. And maybe if you've been dating someone for just a few weeks and you find out that the other person you've been dating has also been seeing other people, then uh, you're going to be annoyed, right? You're going to be angry. You might send a few angry texts or just sort of completely blank them. Imagine if you've been with that person for three years and you find out they've been unfaithful to you. You'll, you'll be many things, but certainly anger and um, grief will rise up in you. Imagine if you've been married to that person for 30 years. You've been through thick and thin. You have served. You have given yourself. You have cared. You have, you know, you have given up yourself to, for the, the betterment of that other person. And then you find that that person has gone away and left you and found love in the arms of another person. Wouldn't, wouldn't you be, among other emotions, be enraged, angry, devastated? Can you see that the, the strength of relationship and the depth of love, as those things increase, so does the anger, so does the proportionate anger and, and, and the, the, the grief and the sorrow. Multiply that up a million times because that's how much God loves you, loves his people. And so then we can start to maybe understand why when we try and wander away from him and find joy and pleasure and all sorts of identity in other things, other people, in other situations, rather than God, he responds appropriately and rightly and justly with anger and wrath. And Paul says we are in trouble, whether we are religious or not religious. We're all in trouble. We've all walked away in, in our own individual ways. You all here, and me included, we've all walked away from God. We've suppressed the truth about him that we know. We have rejected his rule. We're in trouble. But here's the gospel. And that's what we're here to celebrate this morning, right? God counts you, rebel, righteous by faith. He counts you righteous by faith. Therefore, through your faith in Jesus, there is now peace between you and God. The war is over. Your debts have been, have been completely written off. God has chosen to deal with your sin in the person of his own son. He has taken your sins and your debts off the table completely. He has chosen to remember them no more. That's what he has done to win you back to himself. You are no longer an enemy combatant, knowing nothing but hostility towards God and he towards you. Now, God says, when you are justified, when you are righteous by faith, he says to you, you are now righteous in my sight. You are now pleasing to me when I look at you. You are one of mine, and I love you. That's what he says when you are righteous by faith. That's objective peace. You might feel that at the time you come to faith in Jesus, and that is wonderful, but you will certainly feel that and experience that and walk out in that as you go on as a believer in Jesus. The objective will become for you subjective when you understand it correctly. You might find yourself saying to, to, to you, within yourself, 
I can't measure up to God's standards. I can't even measure up to other Christians in the room, let alone God's standards for me. You might find yourself saying, I, I, I can't find peace with God. I just, I just don't know where he is. He feels like he's a, a million miles away. You might find yourself saying, I have sinned again and again. I've messed up. I've screwed up. You, you might find yourself saying, I have exhausted myself to make God happy. And I'm still not sure. Yet, Listen to this. God counts you righteous by faith. That means you don't have to prove yourself to him or to other people. That means that his is the only opinion that will ultimately really matter. And he has already declared upon you, this person is righteous in my sight. He has declared to the heavens... This person is right in my vision. He is mine. She is mine. And so the more that you meditate on this objective peace that you have through Jesus before God, this solid, binding, permanent, eternal declaration about you before God to the heavens, the more you understand that and meditate on that, the more you will start to receive that sense of peace, that knowledge of peace, that, 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 that knowledge that all is well. We sing, don't we, that old hymn? Uh, when peace like a river attendeth my soul, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. That is the word of someone who has understood the true peace that we have before God and has started to receive that inner peace. Whatever my lot, it is well with my soul. It's yours through faith in Jesus. The principle of faith, the power of faith, peace, end of war, the purpose of faith, finally. What are we to do with this? Well, I hope that this has started to work into your heart, you know, like working in the yeast as you, as you need it, as you're making bread. The more you understand that you are declared righteous through faith in Jesus, and therefore you have peace with God, as he writes here, then you will start to enjoy it. It will start to produce joy within your life. You, you will, will start to feed on this stuff, this peace-laden relationship with God, once you start to understand that, you're right in his sights, you will enjoy God himself. You, 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 there will be no more fear in your heart before God, no more shrinking back, no more worry that he's going to one day get sick of you and cast you away and get back to conflict. That will never happen. You have been declared righteous for all time. You, you can know God as your friend, just like Abraham did. You can know God as, as good, as kind, as your loving Lord and Father. There is no animosity between him and you anymore. Anymore. If you were ever brought up Presbyterian uh, or something similar, you would have maybe heard of the Westminster Catechism, the Westminster Shorter Catechism. It's a method of teaching the faith to, to believers and young people. 
The first question is the most famous of all. What is the chief end of man or woman? What's the chief end of mankind? And the answer is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. That's what we're here to do. That's the purpose of our faith. Enjoy God. Glorify him. God counts you as righteous by faith. And when you're gripped by this principle and you feel the power at work in you through his peace, then you will want to live out that purpose of glorifying God and enjoying him forever. It all focuses around this central biblical gospel truth. And when we look together at God's word, as we've done over the years at Foundation Church, we realize that it gives us our marching orders. When we see in the scripture that when people are so gripped and transformed by this principle of faith, so to speak, it's actually by the person himself, but you know, it's the principle that we're talking about. That, that when they're so transformed, they will naturally form into groups. They will naturally gather together in community and they will say together, we will glorify God and enjoy him forever. It's not a solitary job. It's not something you get to do on your own, although you can, but we see it most powerfully when we gather together. We see that in the local church. We get to declare and demonstrate the principle of faith we, we get to enjoy the power of faith, peace with God, and therefore we have a purpose in our faith. To glorify God and enjoy him forever. And that's why we've set up for ourselves here at Foundation Church for the coming years this, this vision. Um, it's really a development of what we've been talking about and, and aiming for over the years. Um, but it's just a way of, of, of conceptualizing and clarifying to one another and, and those looking in how we will go about glorifying God and enjoying him forever as a church. And here it is. We want to catalyze gospel transformation in our land through resourcing, renewal, and replication. That's how we're going to glorify God and enjoy him forever. That's how we're going to apply the principle and the power of faith. Catalyze gospel transformation in our land through resourcing, renewal, and replication. Resourcing is all about the growth, the gathering in of resources, be they people, giftings, time, finances, anything that God brings in, anyone that God brings in. We will use everything that we have to deploy, to go out on mission, to glorify God and enjoy him forever. We will use all we have to serve him and serve those ends. And if we run out of money, we run out of money. Renewal is the strengthening of other churches in our city. We know that we are just one community of people who want to enjoy, uh, glorify God and enjoy him forever. We want to strengthen others who do that too, in any way, by sending out resources, people, whatever it happens to be, so that we may uh, turn up the temperature of, of the glory of God in our city by adding more fuel, adding more people, adding more uh, money where we can. That's renewal and replication is simply the reproduction, the planting, replanting, revitalizing, whatever it happens to be. All of these things are the natural consequences of a community of people switched on by the principle of faith who want to glorify God and enjoy him forever. And so as we just draw this whole morning to a close through, through 
these words. Um, let me just say that, that that begins today for us as a church. That begins here. Um, today we have a new start. It feels like a relaunch again, a new building, new, new premises. But it feels like we're, we're in kind of a watershed moment as a church. Gospel transformation is our hearts. That's what we want for ourselves. That's what I want for you. That's what I want for myself and my family. That's what I want for our city. For people to be so switched on by the, the, the faith in Jesus and what he's done for us that they will naturally tra- be transformed and affect those around them. That's what we want. And it starts here. It starts this morning, I believe, with us. With our hearts being transformed by this gospel. It starts at Foundation Church Belfast. And when we know ourselves and experience what Paul is talking about in these verses, when we, when we grasp this faith, then we can go and say to the lost and to the weary and to the guilty and to the proud and to the self-sufficient and to the hurting in our world, and we can say, God counts you righteous by faith. Therefore, you have peace. We can say to those outside, come and know God, come and glorify him with us, come and enjoy him forever. As we declare and demonstrate the gospel in our city uh, and beyond.